This spot is brought to you by Eaton Vance, the symbol of advanced investing. What's inside your ETF? With Parametric Equity Premium Income ETF, you know. Inside, you'll find institutional expertise from a specialized team with deep derivatives experience. Get to know what's inside PAPI, the symbol of alternative income, at eatonvance.com symbols. Before investing, prospective investors should carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. The current prospectus contains this and other information and is available at eatonvance.com. Read the prospectus carefully before investing. Not FDIC insured. Offer no bank guarantee. May lose value. Not insured by any federal government agency. Not a deposit. Investments involve risk. Principal loss is possible. Distributed by Foresight Fund Services, LLC. The views expressed on this podcast are those of the participants, not of Reuters News. Next 人民银行将按照党中央国务院决策部署，以保持人民币汇率在合理均衡水平上基本稳定为目标。That was Liu Guqiang, deputy governor of the People's Bank of China, speaking in July about the next steps to maintain basic stability in the Chinese currency. Pressure on the yuan, which has slid 2% versus the dollar since late July, and its implications for the rest of the world are the focus of this week's Views Room. Welcome back to the Views Room, a podcast from Reuters Breaking Views, where columnists from around the world talk about the big stories of the week. I'm your host, Amy Donlan, coming to you from London. All eyes are on China's weakening currency this week, as the central bank unveiled measures to try and protect the yuan. Here to talk to you about the situation is Yawen Chen, our China expert, and Yuna Galani, Asia editor of Breaking Views. Welcome back, Yuna, and welcome, Yawen. Great to be here. Hi, Amy. Hi. So we have chatted, the three of us, and Yawen, you have been on many a views room talking about China lately, whether it's property, the reopening kind of maybe some lackluster economic growth, but we have a new development uh, this week, which is quite interesting, which is that the currency is under pressure. Yuna, if I could if I could start with you, can you tell us essentially why this is happening, why we're seeing a weakening of the currency versus the dollar, and why why that is important? What why is why is the central bank moving in? Yeah, uh sure. I mean, look, I think this all really comes down to concerns really about capital flight, right? So capital flight has always been an issue and concern around the Chinese economy because it is currency is not fully convertible. And so we always knew that when the COVID restrictions uh, were dropped in China, these draconian restrictions, that there would be some issue with capital flight. In fact, we wrote about this as early as October. Um, the restrictions have naturally helped to keep people in China and therefore money onshore, including, I think, some $760 billion of money that people, Chinese people would have just naturally spent overseas on foreign travel. And people were not able to use physical channels as well to physically uh, funnel money illicitly overseas. So in China, of course, you can, the annual limit of the amount someone is allowed to spend or take overseas is $50,000. And that cap hasn't changed for 10 years, which is quite incredible. Um, so that, that's all, that naturally means there is a pressure. We also knew that capital flight would be a problem because so much in, has changed in China since 2020, particularly on the domestic front with Xi Jinping's crackdowns on private wealth and his common prosperity policies. And we've also seen an implosion of explosion, implosion, no, 
explosion of family offices uh, opening in Singapore, including by the Chinese. So all of that pointed to a pressure. But now what we're seeing at play out is 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 some of those pressures, but not quite as we thought. So we all, uh, you know, we are outbound travel from China hasn't fully recovered. Um, it's, you know, it's still trending a bit below, but it's unclear if that's a demand or a supply thing. I mean, Thailand is still missing Chinese tourists, but Singapore, uh, the Chinese visitors are fully recovered. That may reflect business travel. But we also have what's what's new and unexpected is this negative pressure that was created on the Chinese economy by it, it, it's it's growing much slower than expected, and it's got this barrage of bad economic news. So now, even ordinary savers in China will want to take their money out and be looking for better returns in other places. And on top of that, we have very weak interest from foreign investors. So you know, FDI in the second quarter was five billion dollars, which I think is the lowest amount ever recorded. Um, so you know, like the all of these pressures have built up to to where we are now. Okay. Yeah, so, I just want to add that I think in general, because of all this negative headlines just synchronizing, right? You have um, bad economic indicators coming out of China, capital outflow pressure. You have um, the the Fed hiking rates very aggressively, making U.S. assets very you know, attractive compared to Chinese assets because, you know, the, the, central, the central bank in China has to ease monetary conditions just to support the economy. So on top of all of that, it's, it's like, you know, saying it's not just foreign investors or um, uh, in China or like Chinese investors offshore in Hong Kong are trading. It's like ordinary people are trying to like pot their money somewhere um, that can, can generate relatively better returns given real estate traditionally a really great source of wealth story um, you know where you stay you store your wealth is really entering a protracted slowdown here and you know, the I suppose the tools that are available right to the central bank are limited as well right because I think a lot of China watchers were expecting some sort of stimulus from the Chinese central bank but you also have a property issue so you can't you know cut interest rates to nothing so that you kind of fuel that 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 property situation too so what happened this week what were the what were the the tools that they they used this week to to sort of protect the currency so if you're talking about tools of stimulating the chinese economy which is you know a giant 19 trillion dollar um beast that 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 is indeed very difficult to do it overnight especially given you know president xi jinping doesn't want to repeat the past i mean controversy of you know using real estate to uh prop up the price bubble and you get people further in debt and there's more uh, equality in the society but in terms of like just tool tools to support the currency on the contrary i, I do think they actually have uh plenty of tools that they can deploy and what we're seeing actually so far um until maybe last week was that, that the PBOC hasn't really done too much. Um, they have, in the past few years, exhibited much more willingness to let the currency to fluctuate more freely, um, in part because I think they want, I think they want the capital controls to be less of a drag on the perception that the Chinese economy is not as free. Um, and they, are, they, they want the yuan to be a more internationalized currency. Um, but last week we've seen the central bank on top of 
guiding state banks to sell uh, dollars um, and buy yuan offshore in Hong Kong. They set the midpoint, which is this, I mean, the most basically obvious tool they can use to set the daily band for how much, you know, the yuan could trend uh, could trade in China is usually a point, I think it's like 2% up and down that you can you can trade in China. So that sets the direction of travel for the yuan. And I think last week it was much firmer than people expected. So it was intended to slow the fast decline of, of the yuan against the yeah. US dollars. And, and you know, why is it a problem to have this the currency sliding? Because in some ways, right, it can help your economy, right? It makes you cheaper, people who are buying things from China. Why exactly do you think it's, it's sort of a, a problem? Why is it something that they need to protect? Um, I think it's it's because of this backdrop of, you know, like the, the US dollar is strengthening, and that's added pressure, and you have the economy slowing down, so people are worried about domestic returns. Um, and I think a very clear indication is that in the past month, the Chinese yuan has lost about 2% against against the dollar, which is quite worrying to the, the, the central bank, I think. So what they want to avoid is just like during a very short period of time, you have a fast decline that attracts short sellers in and it, it, it just end up becoming a very costly battle to defend the currency. I think that's right. I think that it, it really is about the costs. I mean, China has a lot of its tools, as, as Yang pointed out, at its disposal to defend the currency. I mean, this is a country that's sitting on $3 trillion of foreign exchange reserves, although possibly like $6 trillion, depending on which numbers you believe. I mean, China's reserves are really interesting because they've kind of flatlined for years, but everybody's, you know, there's a sort of school of thought that thinks there's like another $3 trillion sitting there somewhere that we just don't know about. And that really speaks volumes to the opacity of the Chinese economy and how much we really understand about it. But I think, you know, at the back of policymakers' minds, they will be worrying about you know, past precedent and how much it has cost them in the past to defend the currency. Uh, Yao and Robert tell the story better, but in 2015 and 16, um, you know, China actually surprised the market. Uh, the economy was slowing at the time and uh, the property market wasn't in a great shape then either. And they devalued the yuan. It was a one-off devaluation. It was surprised the market. And, you know, Chinese policymakers presented it as a reform, you know, part of the package of wide reforms that it was doing to liberalize and reform uh, the economy. But actually, really, what that did was really spooked the market. It was accelerated a really bad stock market crash. And uh, they subsequently spent a trillion dollars in, you know, until 2017 trying to prop up the UN. And that was just extraordinary and you know the conditions today are not that dissimilar any some, some people might say the banks have bigger buffers uh than they did before perhaps but that's really the fear and the fear now is definitely that we don't know where the bottom of the Chinese economy is I mean okay you can say that uh economists don't re still really they still expect 4.8 percent growth this year so it's like you know it's going from five to 4.8 percent that's still like relatively lots of growth it's not Germany it's not in a recession but it's um but you kind of just have this lingering feeling that it's not the bottom that there's still more to come I mean the barrage of news is just amazing I mean we had uh country guard and I was listening uh you know even the credit rating agencies don't know when its technical default date is. I mean, how do, how do we not know that? 
Yeah. Just want to add that don't forget in 2015, what eventually <clears throat> what eventually stopped um, the UN slide was, you know, basically China decided that we have to re-stimulate real estate and they ease all the property curves, they cut interest rates. And that's that's when we saw the last property rally and that took years to bring it down uh, back again. So I, I think if if the pessimism around the Chinese economy is not going away, that's a longer term problem to stop the currency slide. Yeah, I mean, you know, if I could if I could ask you as well, I mean, China is the world's second largest economy. There are tensions, obviously, with the U.S. Um, for lots of different reasons. What do you think are the wider implications of, as you say, all of this noise about the Chinese economy for sort of the wider world economy? Well, I mean, obviously, the spillover effects are enormous. I mean, China is the number one trading partner for so many different countries that it just, I mean, anything that happens in China is of enormous consequence. I mean, the other interesting sort of idea that's obviously doing the rounds now is that, you know, Chinese economy is in dire straits and, you know, Xi Jinping or the classic thing that uh, politicians do when their economies are in trouble is that they try like sort of shock and awe and distraction tactics um, from the bad news. And so people have started to say, oh, you know, you know, will 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 China uh, invade Taiwan as a, as a way of uh, distracting from their economic problems now? You know, obviously, like the concerns about Taiwan have been growing for some time. Um, it's a very easy thing to say. And I think people also point to the fact that China has been building up some of its uh, strategic reserves in certain areas, particularly I'm thinking food. But, you know, governments around the world are building up their strategic reserves in, in all sorts of things because they've learned lessons from the pandemic. I don't think anyone will take the decision to invade Taiwan lightly. Absolutely. Well, Yao and Yuna, fascinating as always. I don't think this is the last time we'll be speaking <laughs> about this topic. And I look forward to seeing Yao and all the stuff you're you're covering as well. So thanks very much. Thanks, Amy. Bye. Thanks for tuning in. This podcast was produced by Oliver Tashtich in London. Subscribe to The Views Room and our sister podcast, The Exchange, on Apple Podcasts, Megaphone, or wherever you like to listen. I'm Kim Vanell. Join me every morning for a roundup of what's happening at home and around the world. From the front line in Ukraine. Extraordinary how these people adjust and uh, even laugh when you take cover. To the heart of U.S. politics. When Trump said that he expected to be arrested, it seems like he was trying to get ahead of the story. We bring you everything you need to know in 10 minutes. For your essential daily briefing, follow Reuters World News wherever you get your podcasts. This spot is brought to you by Eaton Vance, the symbol of advanced investing. What's inside your ETF? With Parametric Equity Premium Income ETF, you know. Inside, you'll find institutional expertise from a specialized team with deep derivatives experience. Get to know what's inside PAPI, the symbol of alternative income, at eatonvance.com symbols. Before investing, prospective investors should carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. The current prospectus contains this and other information and is available at eatonvance.com. Read the prospectus carefully before investing. Not FDIC insured. Offer no bank guarantee. May lose value. Not insured by any federal government agency. Not a deposit. Investments involve risk. Principal loss is possible. Distributed by Foresight Fund Services, LLC.